welcome to the Field Log Podcast, weekly reflections for the Warrior King to help you master yourself, fulfill your purpose, and conquer the day. I'm your host, Marcian Sicario. Field Log Day 29 Handling Criticism One of the things I think about a lot is the concept of the ego. And there are a couple of terms that kind of float around in relation to that, right? You have, oh, he's got an ego, or narcissism, he's narcissistic. You might hear arrogance. And I think all of them have slightly different connotations. And you can look up the definitions, and sometimes they'll be used as synonyms. But the way I see it, narcissism comes from this Greek myth, right? Narcissus. The man who saw his reflection in the water or a mirror or something and fell in love with himself. It's like, I'm so beautiful. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he like just stared at himself until he died or something. And you can look up the full story if you want to see it out of curiosity. But that informs, I think, how we should see the term narcissism. It's this like excessive love of yourself, right? Arrogance is more inflating in your mind, your abilities and your own greatness. It might not be being in love with yourself. You could be arrogant and maybe feel self-hatred. But when you're a narcissist, you truly love yourself. And then there's the term of the ego. The ego, I think, is best understood when you think about someone who might have a fragile ego. Right? Is that your view of yourself is so delicate that you might have, you know, signs of narcissism or signs of arrogance, but... If you get criticized in some way, you really don't like that. The thing I always tell my guys when we go to train, right, during form clinic or any other session, I always say, leave your ego at the door. I don't care what you do out there. I mean, I care, but this is for effect. I don't care what you do out there. You leave your ego at the door. You leave it at the front desk. You go in here and you lift the exact weights you should be lifting because a lot of times... The first thing I'll have to do with somebody is like, hey, we're going to drop your weights. Because clearly, you're not doing it with the proper execution. You're leveraging, like maybe you're doing a deadlift and you're rounding your back to try to cut the range of motion or the, the moment arm between your hips and the weight. So the weight's too heavy. And I need to be able to tell you that just straight up and you not get hurt about it. So I always say, leave your ego at the door especially in weight training, because if you make a mistake there, you could hurt yourself. It'd be very painful. It can set you back months. But I want to take that idea and expand it a little bit. Because letting go of your ego is not only a virtual requirement in the spiritual life, and that should be enough, right? I should be able to turn this episode off right here. But beyond that, leaving your ego at the door in life is actually going to open you up to achieving the thing that your ego was trying to do all along. Now, what do I mean by that? The reason we have an ego is because we have, at least subconsciously, noticed our own unworthiness. And we all have that, right? In relation to God, right? And I've, I've talked about humility before. If you compare yourself to God, you'll realize that I am nothing compared to God. But there's a little part of us that doesn't like that very much. So we have to make ourselves look great. And I know this from experience. Boy, when I was young, 18, 19, 20, 21, 
I had a very fragile ego, right? I would always do things to be impressive. But when you think of yourself that way and the way people perceive you, you know, they must think that I'm perfect and they must think that I'm great. You can never be great. And quite literally, you can never be perfect. Right? Christ tells us to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. How do you even begin to approach that? Well, the first step is to realize that you aren't perfect yet. And the only way you can get there is by readily accepting criticism. So five minutes in, now we're talking about why am I talking about ego and narcissism and arrogance? It's because ultimately, and I'm going to make the practical argument first, ultimately you don't get better if you have an ego. You don't get better if you can't handle criticism. Right? I made it a point in my life for years to get good at handling criticism. Because the fact that this person is telling me, honestly, 99 times out of 100, it's because that person wants to help you. Right? I had this experience once years ago. Right? I, I have this kind of personality where I can be very, I think gregarious is the right word, right? So they're very loud and animated and, you know, it's maybe it's my ethnic roots, whatever it is. Right? I can be a lot. And I know that. And I've, I've calmed down in my later 20s a little bit. But I know that sometimes I make jokes and I laugh very loudly. Or maybe I'll be very friendly with someone I've just met. I even used to do this thing, where, which is hilarious to think about, is when I would introduce myself, sometimes I would stand too close to somebody, right? Go shake someone's hand and say, you know, it's nice to meet you, I'm Hara. And I'm in that person's personal space. So if somebody pulls me aside, and this happened once, right? Like I said, a couple of years ago, I was at a dinner place and there was a menu item and I don't even remember what it was, but the name was really funny to me. And the waitress walks up and she's like, can I take your order? And I'm laughing and I'm like showing it to the people next to me. And I'm like, did you see that there is, I asked the waitress, like, you guys have a menu item that's called such and such. And she kind of like looks at me and she's like, yeah, we do. Huh? And kind of laughs and walks away. And some of the people I, w- I was with were women who were very good at gauging you know, social dynamics and knowing how people feel. It's a gift that they have. And one of the girls told me, he's like, you made that waitress uncomfortable. I was like, really? It's like, yeah, you were being too loud and too much. So I had to really think about that. On the one hand, you know, you can take the criticism and you should always accept it graciously. Thankfully, at that point in my life, I'd already made the decision to take criticism gracefully. And then I thought about it. You know, on the one hand, you have the consideration of, is what I'm doing so bad? And do I really want to change this for people? But then on the other hand, you have the question of, am I not trying to have a positive impact on the people around me? Now that I got this piece of criticism, I can decide what to do with it. And of course, ultimately, I decided to try to gauge how people are are feeling and maybe not be excessive, right? I'm trying to be considerate of the people around me. But whatever your conclusion is when you hear a piece of criticism, Someone noticed something you couldn't notice from your vantage point, right? Let's start there. You are not perfect. I am not perfect. Not even close. Neither one of us. So given that, is it possible that people might sometimes notice things about you that you didn't notice? Right? A lot of times we'll have weaknesses and temptations that we know about, but sometimes we have them and we don't. I've Brought up this example before where I used to use the Lord's name in vain, right? I would say, oh my God, all the time. 
And then someone called me out. And unfortunately, the person didn't feel comfortable telling me. The person told someone else and someone else told me and said, you know, he's a really nice guy, but he uses the Lord's name in vain. And I didn't even realize. Not only did I not realize, I didn't even realize that, oh my God, is one of the ways you can use the Lord's name in vain. I was like, sure enough. So I started to change that, right? I kept track of when I, when I said it and I would try to catch myself and replace it with Lord have mercy, right? Which is not using the Lord's name in vain, right? Anytime you're motivated to say, Lord have mercy, you're basically just praying to God to have mercy on yourself or someone else, whatever it is. But if I had an ego and I said, no, I'm a good Christian, I'm, I'm a good Orthodox Christian and you don't judge me and why do I even need to listen to this person? This person didn't even have the guts to say to my faith. No, none of that. That's you trying to protect your fragile ego. And we can't have that, can we? Because at the end of the day, everything we're talking about here is about practical results. And by that, I don't just mean practical results, you know, materialistically in the world and everything. I even mean spiritually. Right? On the one hand, you could try to defend yourself. Let's say someone calls you out and says, oh, you're quick to anger. Right? I've actually called out someone on this before. The person was like, no, I'm not. And started getting angry. (laughs) And I said, you're proving my point right now. The person said, no, I'm just getting mad because you keep pestering me. Okay, fine. I'll let it go. But the point is spiritually... We know that when anger festers in our heart, and I have some experience with this, especially when I was younger, you know, feeling life is unfair, being angry. And then if someone calls you out on that and you refuse to admit it in humility and accept the criticism, handle it properly, you're not actually going to be able to advance from that information. And it might be untrue. Maybe you're having a conversation about some, I don't know, war or something that's going on. And you're like, oh, I just makes me so mad that people are killing each other. And then someone says, whoa, you have a temper. I might reflect on that and say, no, no, because I know that we're called to righteous anger. And if injustice upsets me, and I'm convinced that it's a genuine injustice, right? Maybe one country dropping bombs on another country or something unprovoked, whatever it is, I might say that that was not an example of me being, you know, unjustifiably angry. But it might get me thinking, like maybe I am like this in other areas of my life. But really... You know, divorcing your self-worth from the criticism. Right now that we're about 11 minutes or so in, we can think about this. Like, what's the actual point of handling criticism? It's not just for your mental state and, you know, not getting upset when people criticize you. It's actually for your benefit. When you handle criticism objectively, you're going to benefit from the information if it's actionable. But the only way you can do that is divorcing your self-worth from the way people see you, justified or not, right? People might look at you and say, ah, he's weird, I don't like him. Or he's too mean, or he's too this, or too that, or too flashy, or whatever it is. That shouldn't impact your self-worth at all. You should already know that your value as a human being comes from the image of God that you carry everywhere you go. And of course, it is your job to try to keep that image pure. But when you hear the criticism, you know that that person isn't criticizing your core, which is the image of God. Rather, that person is criticizing some sort of tangential behavior around it. That is, you know, if it's something undesirable, then it's caused by the sin condition anyway. So you might want to say, like, okay, I know this now. I can act on this. That is a far more practical way to view criticism. Right? You can take an example that's obvious. Let's say you go to your doctor and they measure your blood pressure and they say, oh, your blood pressure is high. 
Are you going to say to the doctors, like, no, it's not. Your machine is wrong and I'm healthy. No, that's, that's absurd. You actually paid good money for this appointment, for the doctor to check you up and do your blood work and all of those things. And when he tells you, hey, your blood pressure is high, you need to lose a couple of pounds. You're going to say, hmm, that's, you know, hard to hear. I feel like I've let my body down. I haven't been stewarding my body as I should. But I'm glad I know now so I can be better. Think about it like this. Take two kinds of men. The first kind of man has a big ego, right? Let's say he actually is really good at a lot of things. He may be very accomplished and very charismatic and whatever qualities you want to assign him, but he has a terrible ego. First of all, that ego is getting in the way of his spiritual growth and his spiritual state is going to be very poor. But beyond that, the things that he actually does seem to value, like the way people perceive him and his accomplishments and all those things, he's not even getting that. That's the funny thing. The ego actually gets in the way of your performance. Right? Let that sink in for a second. If you're the kind of man and you say you bench 315 and you deadlift 550 and you make, I don't know, six figures and you have a beautiful wife and great children and all those things... And then someone comes to you in the gym and says, hey, did you know that your uh, bench form is slightly suboptimal? And then you're like, no, I'm perfect. And then for some reason, your bench isn't progressing. Because in 10 years from now, you're exactly where you were. Which, you know, might not be a bad place to be, but still. The whole point of the ego is to hold on to any kind of great accomplishment you have, which is silly to begin with. But the thing is, it actually makes it worse. Because you can't take criticism. So imagine that sort of man for a minute, but then imagine a man who's characterized by true humility, who's really learned to let the ego go, and then he's benching or deadlifting or talking to his wife, and then whatever it is that he's doing, someone comes to him and says, hey, there's actually a more practical way to do this. Funny thing, this happened to me recently. One week ago, right? I always talk about how great the Warrior King training protocol is, and it really is great, and I believe that truly. But I know it's not perfect. I know that there's probably information that could make it more effective or take less time or whatever other benchmarks you have for a training routine, maybe safer, whatever it is. And I'm willing to hear ideas from everybody on that. I have a guy that I work with who is, I think, around six foot, maybe 140-ish, right? He's a pretty skinny guy. He's been training for a little minute. And he told me about this thing that he recently heard about supersets. And I always thought supersets were just a way to save time, but in reality, you're going to do less reps. So, you know, it's, it's a balancing game. That's why the current iteration of the Warrior King weight training protocol has supersets just for accessories. We're going to try to save some time, but we know that for the main movements, we don't superset them. Well, it turns out that there is some evidence to suggest that when you superset antagonistic muscles like pushing and pulling movements, you actually end up doing more reps. So if you did three sets of bench and three sets of rows, and you did, let's say, 10, 8, 6 reps on bench, three minutes of rest in between, and then you did 10, 8, 6 on rows, three minutes of rest in between, you'll actually do more reps if you do bench immediately followed by rows and then three minutes of rest. So you're cutting down your training time and you're increasing your results. So I've started testing this. I'm testing it on myself. I'm testing it on two volunteers who are running the weight training protocol to see if we can get some information here. And the response has been unanimous at this point is that the rows are actually easier when you do them immediately after bench. The bench doesn't seem to be impacted much at all. So you're saving time, you're getting better results and and the 
experiment is going to run for another week. But if this is true, and I come to the conclusion that this really works, and I integrate it, then whenever I say, oh, the weight trading protocol lets you finish in less than three hours a week, maybe it'll be less than two and a half or less than two, and you'll get even better results. But this was told to me by somebody whose max deadlift is my, you know, warm-up on bench. So my ego might have said, oh, I've been training for 10 years, and he's been training for a year, and what does he know? But that's not the point. The point for me has always been to put together the best routine possible, to be the best man possible, to grow as much as I can spiritually. So when I hear advice from anybody, I at least consider it. So the first thing I did was suspend disbelief and all my years of trash-talking supersets and really think, if this is true, would I want to know? Obviously, yes. Forget what I've said before. If this is true and the superset's going to help, I want to know. So I tried it. And the same has to be true of all, and this wasn't criticism per se, but it's the same mental space. This has to be true of all criticism that you hear. If somebody says to me that I use the Lord's name in vain, I don't want to dismiss it immediately, and neither should you. You should ask yourself, if this were true, would I want to know? Yes, it might be a hard truth, but I really want to know so that I can be better. That's the whole point, right? To be better, to make progress, to advance in the spiritual life and in the life of a man, whatever it is. So because you want to know, you just have to consider it. You know, do your research. You can still reject the criticism. That's still possible. But it's harder to hear criticism than it is to hear advice, which I'm pretty sure I'll do a field log on after this one, taking advice. Because handling criticism means if you have an ego or if you're arrogant or narcissistic in some way, admitting that you're not as good as you thought you were which is why handling criticism is so difficult. But we have to transcend that, right? We're all here for the same purpose. If you're part of an infantry group, let's say, and you're like storming a castle or whatever, a stronghold, and you're running, you're running, and then you you slip up and you fall, wouldn't you want the soldier behind you to reach under your arms, hoist you up, and help you to keep running? Yes, you would. Because there's one objective and one objective only. So what if his hoisting up wasn't physical but verbal? What if you're running and you're starting to fall behind and then he says, no, carry your gun like this and you won't get as fatigued? He's criticizing you. He is. Think about it. It's also advice, but he is criticizing you. He's saying that you're doing it wrong. And there might be that little voice in your head and I promise you it's not yours. There's a little voice that'll say, no, I'm not doing it wrong. I'm perfect. Don't listen to that voice. Listen to this voice. Listen to my voice, right? You're not perfect. I'm not perfect. That's okay. It's okay to not be perfect. The only thing that's not okay is to not be perfect and not care, not work towards perfection. That's the point. So when you hear criticism, it might even be intended maliciously. Someone might say to me like, you know what? Your pants look really weird, trying to upset you, trying to hurt your feelings. But you can still consider that. It doesn't matter what the person's motivation was. It matters that you have a data point you can analyze. And think about, is this person just trying to hurt my feelings? Or did he latch on to something that's legitimate? Hey, maybe my pants do look weird. Do I want to look weird? Let's say you don't. Let's say you're like, no, I'd I'd rather, you know, dress a bit more normal. Cool, let me get rid of the pants. 
So this person was trying to hurt your feelings, but you leveraged that to become a better man. And that is the crux here. I will give you my horror guarantee right now. I will promise you, if you learn to handle criticism with grace, to not let it affect your view of your self-image, to know that your image is God's image, and that's who you are at your core, and everything around it is just stuff. But you do have an objective. So when you hear criticism, you're going to say, let me consider, just consider this. And I might learn something. You take that attitude, whatever mistakes you're making right now, most of them will be weeded out by outside influences and you don't have to focus on everything all at once. And if you ask me, that's a pretty great payoff. So handle criticism well today. Make a note that if someone does criticize you, you'll just consider it even if it cuts deep. Because ultimately all you want to do is improve and grow as a man. That's it for this week's Field Log. If you like what you heard today, you can follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now. You can also rate the show. That always helps out a lot. You can find me on Instagram, threads, and TikTok at marcian.cx for field log snippets, art, philosophy, and training-related content. You can also visit the website at marcian.cx for much more of the same. I'm still working on consolidating the Warrior King content into the marcian.cx project. So check back at the website soon for the new and improved Warrior King training protocol, which is going to include supersets and my updated supplement recommendations. There's also a 2024 goal-setting guide on the way, and of course, the Warrior King newsletter. If any of that sounds appealing to you, the links to everything are in the show notes below. It's all free, and as always, conquer the day.